Hello, and thank you for listening to She Did What? This is a podcast exploring women's history. And we are actually very pleased to announce that we're on iTunes. So if you're listening on SoundCloud and it is easier for you to subscribe to the podcast, please do so. And of course, if you have a story that you would like to share or you would like to be a guest on the show, please feel free to email us at shedidwhat2017 at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash shedidwhat2017. Today you will hear a somewhat brief introduction into Lisa Meitner, who helped discover the process of fission, which allowed for the elements that unleashed the atomic energy that was then harnessed into a bomb that ended the war, World War II, after killing over 200,000 Japanese people. You will learn by the end of this uh, that she never intended for this to be the purpose of her research. I will be giving you context into her life, her upbringing. I think it's important to know um, the challenges that these women that we talk about faced and shows a little bit of her character and um, leading up to the controversy in this case surrounding the Nobel Prize given for the discovery of fission. Lisa Meitner was born in 1878 in Vienna. Uh, She was born listed on the registry um, as, you know, from Jewish heritage. Although the family did not practice, uh, most of them also converted to another religion at some point during their lifetime. Her father was a lawyer, and even though there was a lot of discrimination against Jews at the time, he didn't convert, uh, making it harder to practice, but, you know, sticking to his own morals. The whole family um, studied music to an extent, as most other Viennese children did, this being the height of the Viennese German influence on Western music. This is during the Romantic period, uh, which featured you know, heavyweights as Beethoven, Brahms, uh, Strauss, Schubert, uh, and others, of course. Women weren't usually educated to the extent of their male counterparts, but Lisa worked harder than the rest in order to make up for this. And when the opportunity arose for women to start working their way into educational institutions, Lisa Meitner signed up following her older sister, actually. Lisa did take courses in the meantime that were common for women, kind of more domestic duties, etiquette, Uh, But she also had a bigger picture in mind. Uh, When she finally took the entry exams to be accepted into higher education, she was only one of four girls out of 14 who even passed the test. And after that, she was admitted to the University of Vienna in 1901. She was around 21 years old. She worked tirelessly to make up for her lack of education. This meant dedicating all of her time and free time uh, to homework, projects, research, and those early morning lectures. In her first year, she was encouraged to publish some of her work by a professor, her teacher, but she refused. She still came from a place where women were to be quiet and delicate and subdued. This has been a reoccurring theme in her life. So she was insecure about her work and didn't want to get it published. In her freshman year, she was asked, When Lisa attended university, she said her anxiety around people bordered on fear. She was often the only woman in her courses, project groups, and meetings. And this was also a time 
when men would vocalize their being uncomfortable with a woman's presence. Not only that, but Lisa being interested in science added to that. Um, as you'll hear later on, there were situations of professors thinking that their hair would catch on fire if they were in a lab. The university actually didn't even allow women to be officially enrolled until the 1900s. All women that were attending lectures needed special permission. Goethe von Urbisch was her first friend, saying that she made efforts to help Lisa overcome her shyness. They were, you know, two of few women that were in this field. During this time, Vienna became the center for radioactive research, thanks to Marie Curie's development of the theory of, you know, radioactive science. Politically, this was a time where education meant power, and professors were in higher positions because of their free thought, and especially scientists. This becomes important when we enter the conflicts of World War II and um, who was being appointed to lead and work at these facilities. And also, you know, obviously those that were educated in power that were Jewish, um, they were in a lot more danger. So, you know, Jews in high positions as scientists were seen as a threat to the Nazi regime. This is, you know, pretty common knowledge. Thoughts about women in these positions and institutions were split, however. There were those that understood and agreed that women were just as capable and more importantly, deserved the same opportunities and respects in the fields of their choice and those who were challenged by women because science is a very small field at the time anyways. And so they didn't want to share the competition with a whole other, you know, pool of people to pick from. Her mentor, Boltzmann, encouraged and inspired Lisa to an incredible degree. Many sources speak of his romanticism towards physics and chemistry as well, and his passion seeping into Meitner's pores and really inspiring her to do great things. In 1906, Meitner became the second woman to obtain a doctorate degree from the University of Vienna. Then she went to Berlin in 1907 to study with Max Planck at the University of Berlin. As mentioned earlier, Meitner had to ask Max Planck permission to attend lecture because she was a woman. And although he spoke at length about a woman's place in the home, or more specifically, out of the lab, he did uh, talk about his exceptions. So in a nutshell, you know, this guy thought that women should be in the house, but made a point to say that some women are smart enough to be in a lab. After one year, she became his assistant, and this is around the time that she met and started working with Otto Hahn, discovering isotopes. Otto Hahn was a chemist that throughout his career relied heavily on Meitner to perform very meticulous experiments to prove his theories and their theories together. They really were a good team, with Meitner filling in the blanks of Hahn's chemistry um, and again, vice versa. Hahn would separate particles that they were researching, and Meitner's data collection and analysis of those proved their system the standard in the future. So to be clear, this is a physicist and chemist duo. It is recorded that Hahn really enjoyed working with women in general, although the specific nature of the adoration is not talked about. Like, he doesn't go into why he likes working with women. However, Meitner really enjoyed Hahn's company, and they quickly became an inseparable and successful team. He had already discovered a couple of elements at this point, um, and so he was promoted to assistant, first step on that academic ladder. 
continuing to work with Meitner. When they first started in the Institute, Meitner was not actually allowed in the labs, as again we mentioned before, but was given a space below and also having to walk to a restaurant down the street when she needed to use the restroom. When women were finally permitted to use the labs, there were a few instances of professors deliberately ignoring Meitner when addressing Han, even if she was standing right next to him. So, you know, during this time, like I mentioned, Max Planck, her professor, was one of those people that was quoted saying that he thought women would, you know, their hair would catch on fire. I mention all of this just to also talk about uh, Lisa Meitner's insecurities around men and thinking, you know, she knew deep down she was good enough, but being aware that others didn't think the same. So Meitner withdrew from Judaism and was baptized evangelical Protestant. There isn't a good record of why she did this, but it is worth noting and discussing um, that Jews had really been discriminated against for Meitner's whole life. Her father chose to keep his religion, knowing it would make it harder to succeed as a lawyer, and most of her family converted to other religions during their young adult lives. During this time, as I mentioned, Han and Meitner were working together They were already finding new elements, making a ton of discoveries, and they were publishing their findings in the science journals. She was almost always listed secondary to Hans, although, again, they were doing the same work. She was still close with her family during this time, and she did visit home often. Uh, Eventually, it would spark her interest in helping end the war, because not only did it affect her home country that she was still tied to, But her male family members would start enlisting and she was afraid for their life and knew that in the science community there was a lot of research going on to try to end the war. Hahn encouraged Meitner to give talks to the German scientists and physicians in Salzburg in particular in 1909. And it was here that she met Albert Einstein, where he was arguing his theory that light can be both particle and wave. The only thing she took away was the overview of special theory of relativity. This is important when her and the radioactive community were dealing with how many times they could split an atom and which which isotopes were known at their full potential. So, you know, this idea that there's more going on pretty much in elements that we had previously thought. During this time, she was poor. She was living on a very modest allowance from her family, although completely and entirely immersed in her work. She does have a passage written from this time about keeping women undervalued, I would say, and also because obviously she wasn't getting paid at this point, barely being able to be in the lab at all. This quote is um, in the context and in regards to her being not only the some of the only uh, one of the only few women, but also dealing with harassment at some points in her collegiate career. She says, sometimes I lack courage. And then my life, with its great insecurity, the constant repeated worries, the feeling of being an exception, the absolute aloneness, seems almost unbearable to me. And what distresses me most is the frightful egotism of my current way of life. Everything I do benefits only me, my ambition and my pleasure in scientific work. It seems I have chosen a path which flies in the face of my most deeply held principle, that everyone should be there for others. By that, I don't mean one must sacrifice oneself for no reason, but that somehow our lives should be connected with others, should be necessarily for others. 
I, however, am free as a bird because I am for use to no one. Perhaps that is the worst loneliness of all. Again, she speaks about her selflessness, and this will, you know, become important when she wants to enter the war to help. Otto Hahn was offered an assistant position around this time at the new Kaiser Wilhelm Institute, or for our purposes, KWI, and asked Meitner to join him without comparable pay. And so Max Planck offered her the assistant position for him, being the first woman in Prussia with this position. Planck had noticed from Hans' offer that the inequities between the sexes could no longer be ignored. At the time of her father's death in 1910, it was starting to become more and more apparent that Meitner was struggling financially because she was not being paid what she deserved. It was at this point where she considered moving home that Planck finally stood up for her. Because of this promotion, she had the experience to join Hod for less pay. When speaking about eventually receiving the recognition that she wasn't during this time, she says, I know very well that especially in one's developing years, one urgently needs the encouragement of external recognition to know that one's path is not a wrong one. I myself greatly needed such encouragement, and to this day I am filled with gratitude that I received it from all of you in many different ways. This is where she, um, in later years, mind you, is reflecting on, you know, having people like Otto Hahn want to work with her, Max Planck, eventually understanding her importance. And a little bit later on, you'll learn about how people had to vouch for her to stay in Berlin during the beginning of the Nazi regime. But for now, during the First World War, Meitner was trying to become involved in helping. However, because of her Jewish heritage and because she was a woman, um, she was not admitted. As mentioned, her family members were fighting, and so she was really trying to do everything she could to help. The scientists in World War I were working with very dangerous chemicals, trying everything they could um, to put an end to the fighting. The idea of ending war quickly was usually the only motive behind scientists becoming involved. Scientists studying in opposing countries were kept either as pris prisoners of war or, um, you know, were abused. Because of this, science really was greatly affected. In some fields, they talk about how it took a generation just to catch up. To other countries. Murray Curie had started an ambulance service with radiological equipment with her daughter in France. So Lisa took this idea and within a few days in 1915, she was prepped and sent out with the soldiers and medical specialists specializing in x-rays. The reality of war was unimaginable. Her diary entries from this time were truly heartbreaking and talked about surgeries that would result in death anyways and about how sometimes her x-rays would help find ailments or, you know, internal inner injuries that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise, but that after this whole rigmarole, um, soldiers mostly would die. She talks about how hard it was not being able to console these soldiers because of the language barrier. They were in Hungary um, during this time that she was, you know, on the field. Interestingly, she received a marriage proposal around this time from a Greek professor that she had met at one point. There's not much uh, record of this other than, you know, a single letter of him speaking to her. She kept the note, but again, we don't know if she responded. Eventually, because of a standoff, the fighting 
the act of fighting stopped and Lisa returned to the KWI, which had at this point already been converted to war research. When she returned, she was alone with either everyone away at war fighting or, you know, if they had been visiting another country. Um, In Otto Hahn's case, he was in Berlin. So she was checking on projects that they had started before they left, and her and Otto Hahn would, you know, converse, write letters back and forth about it. In 1917, Meitner and Otto Hahn discovered protactinium, which is a product that would eventually become the uranium that they were breaking down needed for the atomic bomb. When their experiments proved successful, they submitted their paper, The Moth Substance of Actinium, a New Radioactive Element of Long Half-Life. But Hahn was listed as the senior author, even though Meitner was the one, again, doing all the experiments while Hahn was in Berlin. For the discovery, she received the Leibniz Medal from the Berlin Academy of Sciences, which was an award new. There was a new award. She was, I believe, the first one to receive it. During this same year, Meitner was appointed head of her own section, splitting their laboratorium, uh, which had been previously laboratorium Hahn and Meitner when she was promoted um, as the assistant of Max Planck, as I mentioned, to two different laboratoriums. So now we have laboratorium Hahn and laboratorium Meitner, reminding you that Hahn is a chemist and Meitner a physicist. She also received the pay increase, finally equaling Hans, um, even though, can't help but mention again, he was in Berlin for most of this time. Meitner was finally showing some confidence and really seemed to feel a sense of belonging, um, you know, due to her finally being recognized in the field. In 1926, she became the first woman in Germany to hold a full professorship in physics at the University of Berlin, Berlin. And therefore, um, because of that, she was able to start her research on nuclear fission. So around this time, again, like late 20s, early 1930s, as Hitler rose to power, the scientific community was very active, um, just a coincidence of the radioactive research. Jewish scientists were facing migration or exile. Scientists like Einstein left voluntarily making sure his anti-Nazi reasoning was published in writing and well-known. They tried to um, discredit him when they found out he was leaving. Passives like Meitner stayed in the name of science. Um, This is interesting considering she was never involved in any kind of women's suffrage movements um, in Berlin at this time. And she was also being vouched for by her counterparts as more Nazi representation was arriving, trying to... um, really just kick all the Jewish people out. Because of the lack of discrimination in science before this, um, there were plenty of Jewish scientists. Their personal decisions vary during this time, but also just the decisions of scientists to either stand up for what they believe in or not. So this biography that I read about Lisa Meitner talks about four different kinds of people during this time. So we have Nazis, passives like Meitner, Jews, and that were not protected by any kind of, you know, status and anti-Nazis who, you know, stuck up for their morals. The institution itself, as I have been mentioning, was passive, claiming to be in the name of continuing the research, even flying a Nazi flag in order to stay open and not be completely overrun by Nazis. 
Um, not that many people stood up for what they believed in or said they believed in later. Because of her Jewish heritage, Meitner was not published during this time in major journals, although she still submitted writings, and they were known in small communities. It's safe to say that this definitely led to the lack of knowledge of her work during this time in you know, mainstream scientific publications and the scientific world. Meitner had been talking to Hahn about the kind of research she wanted to do relating to beta decay, which uh, would become fission very soon here. But it actually wasn't until Otto Hahn read an article about such things that she'd been talking about that he showed any interest. They were working with scientists in Rome, France, England, and to some extent America during this time, uh, really all working together for a common goal. In 1938, as she was nearing 60, this is when things really got worse in Berlin and she eventually did have to leave. This process took months due to the fact that her passport was nullified as well as her funds. This is when um, Hitler's Nazi regime was really kind of cracking down. It's a And it's an interesting time because what was happening was prior to this, you know, Nazi regimes and German nationalists were really trying to kick Jews out of the country. And then eventually it turned into them halting all of their bank accounts, actually keeping them in Germany, and then eventually sending them to concentration camps. So Meitner, Meitner narrowly escaped this as scientists were becoming more and more pressing of her being of Jewish heritage, even though she was very important in the science world. She had to borrow money from her friends um, and perform illegal acts in order to get out. Like I said, she, a lot of her friends at this time, who were the scientists in the institution, you know, they were smuggling out of the country, communicating with other people. And eventually she found herself in Sweden. During this same year, she was visited by her nephew, Otto Frisch. I'll use their last names. Han and Meitner, who had been working together before, they kind of became two new groups. So Meitner was working with Frisch, her nephew, and Han was working with Strassmann, who eventually would become an ally to Meitner as well. Han and Strassmann had discovered that the collision of a neutron with a uranium nucleus produced the element barium as one of its byproducts. Together, Frisch and Meitner hypothesized that the uranium nucleus had indeed split in two. And this is where Meitner first came up with the term fission, to describe the process. Hahn met secretly with Meitner in Copenhagen. At her suggestion, Hahn and Strassmann performed further tests on a uranium product that they thought was radium. When they found that it was in fact barium, they published their results. And at the same time, Meitner and Frisch coined fission and published their findings on this. The proof of fission required Meitner's and Frisch's physical insight as much as chemical findings of Hahn and Strassmann, again, proving this entire thing to be a team effort. However, in 1944, Otto Hahn was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his work on nuclear fission while Meitner was snubbed for the Physics Prize. Not only had she been a very important part of this team, but she really was the head of instigating the fission experiments as well as the one who foresaw its explosive potential. She would go on to refuse to work on the Manhattan Project, stating, I will have nothing to do with a bomb. The Manhattan Project was the code name for the Atomic Bomb Project in America. Her, not, her nephew, Otto Frisch, had on her gravestone, Lisa Meitner, 
a physicist who never lost her humanity. Hahn will later claim that he didn't list Meitner because of her political position, but it was more of his position as head of the Institute at this time, and he didn't want to lose it by saying that he was working with you know, a Jewish woman who escaped Berlin. See, the problem here is that he actually went out of his way to say that Meitner specifically told them not to do this research and that they couldn't even begin work until she had left. And also, once the Allies came, all of the scientists were kept together away from the public, all of the German scientists at this time, considering, you know, the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute was under Nazi regime. And... You know, they all set this a bunch of men. They all sat together and came up with stories and explanations as to why they stayed in Berlin and tried to help the Nazi scientists come up with a bomb, uh, which everyone else was doing at this time. But obviously the science escaped Germany and found its way to America. So following the atomic bomb that ended World War Two, Lisa Meitner's recognition for this never really surfaced, at least, you know, in immediately following Although Meitner has received countless awards and, you know, was again the first woman assistant professor, Lisa Meitner uh, died in 1968 in Cambridge, England. And maybe it's because of the internet, but we now know her importance. So this has been the very brief kind of introduction story on Lisa Meitner. If you are a scientist and interested in these things, I really suggest looking her up. I have a very limited knowledge of this, but wanted to tell her story and kind of talk about all of the hardships that she went through and discrimination that she had to overcome, as is well known. Thanks for listening. This episode was written, recorded, and engineered by me, Megan Maurer. Thank you always to Azua for writing our theme music. This has been another story of an amazing woman in history on She Did What. Thanks so much for listening.